This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com. This show is brought to you by IndieWrestling.us. Check out IWC, RWA, and more. And listeners like you, support this show at Patreon.com slash Wrestling Mayhem Show. Hey guys, it is the Indie Mayhem Show. I'm Mike Sorg at Sorgatron on the Twitter here in the Sorgatron Media Studios in Pittsburgh, PA. And uh, we are uh, uh, fulfilling that promise, continuing with uh, regular editions of the show, talking with a lot of people that have been on our list for a while now, actually. We're catching up on that. We, we, you know, we've been in this hibernation with all the COVID and everything. And uh, finally, we're, we're getting up the steam. We're, we're getting tired of not talking to people. And uh, we're getting around to things. Uh, but, of course, please go check out everything at IndieWrestling.us and WrestlingMayhemShow.com. Wrestling Mayhem Shows, we'll find all the great wrestling podcasts where we talk about not just indie wrestling, but, of course, a lot of uh, other stuff like WWE, Thunderdomes, apparently, <laughs> and uh, AEW, and, and just having fun with the fans and uh wrestlers that join us on there and of course at indiawrestling.us you can find a lot of the the stuff that we talk about here on on these shows and a lot of the people that we talk with on these shows are featured over there on vod dvd and of course over at indiawrestling.network and one of the things that just recently became featured over there on the network itself and has been featured on social media for the last several uh weeks is a project that's been a lot of fun to be involved with uh over the last several months called fight underground and uh finally i got to uh digitally tackle the uh the, the mastermind behind fight underground uh quinn magnum joining us here on the line how you doing quinn i'm doing well i'm doing pretty well how about yourself i see uh you finally mastered your tackling skills yes That's pretty elusive for my, a little while my like Barry sanders well you're a big you're a big guy it's you're a big guy it's hard you're hard to take down so uh <laughs> Uh, but of course I do want to talk about fight underground and everything that's going on there. But I, I think, I think a lot of people, you know, and, and I talk about this a lot. Like I, I know parts of indie wrestling and like, I love hearing about before like 2006 and Pittsburgh wrestling and everything. Um, um, Quinn, you know, you're one of those guys that I don't know much about when I started working with you, uh, nearly two years ago now, three years ago now, is that my math, right? I, something like that. 2018 ish, uh, late 2018 ish. Uh, but yeah, two years ago, but, uh, holy crap. That's been, it feels like it was a lot longer, but you know, and I think a lot of people out there like don't know much about that. You know, of course yourself, uh, it will get into former NWA, uh, North American champion about that people have heard about, uh, as well. Uh, but let's go back to the beginning. Like, like Quinn, what was like kind of your first, uh, uh, exposure, your first memory of, uh, pro wrestling? Pro wrestling. Uh, Honestly, I didn't actually start watching until I was probably, I'd say, 10, 11 years old. So I wasn't like a young kid watching or anything like that. Uh, I do remember my grandfather used to watch it all the time. Uh, NWA is where you have one. And I, I grew up a Catholic. So what that meant was catechism on a Saturday. That's what it was back then. It was on a Saturday. So what would happen was my grandfather lived like two blocks from the actual uh, church that we went to for the catechism, right? So... As soon as it was over, I would go down to my grandfather's. Well, I catch him a couple times watching wrestling, and I'd be like, you know, what's this stuff? This looks pretty cool. And if I'd like, my first memories is Ricky Steamboat hitting the ring in the old NWA. It's probably, oh man, was it 84 maybe, something like that. Wow. And, uh, you know, clearing the ring and everything else. And I'm like, I'm kind of hooked. 
So then every time after that, I would actually run out of the church and down to my grandfather's house to catch as much professional wrestling as I could. And then from there, I just was hooked. You know, that's when we first started getting cable out my way because I lived out in the country. So we mm-hmm. needed cable to like 1985, you know. So, but then at that point, it was like I was watching WWF, I was watching NWA, uh, I was, you know, world class championship wrestling was big back then, AWA, I, anything I can get, you know, watch. You know, that was pretty much it. And there, any information I got, you know, I thought was like inside information came from the magazines, which we all know is a work. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that, so you had a, for, for the mid eighties, like you were kind of blessed with like a, 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 a high exposure and, and accessibility to, to watching. It sounds like. Oh yeah. Yeah. I honestly, and this is weird. I can't remember what I did 20 minutes ago, but I can remember <laughs> uh, my wrestling schedule from 35 years ago, you know, um, uh, let's see. Uh, NWA was on at eight, like eight to nine. Uh, it was like their their one hour little show, or whatever. It was on TV. Mm-hmm. It was on TBS. It was on TBS. Uh, WWF would come on from ten to eleven, and then NWA would come on Fox. It wasn't Fox then. It was you know WPGH or whatever mm-hmm. from eleven to twelve, and then twelve to one was like WWF Challenge or whatever. Then you had to wait till like four o'clock. Four o'clock was World Class Championship Wrestling. Occasionally, you pick up NWA around the four thirty-five o'clock. So you're switching back and forth. Then you had six o five, which was NWA. So Jeez. that was my Saturdays. <laughs> Jeez, I thought my Monday nights watching Raw was was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, eventually after a couple of years, you kind of kind of down. You know what I mean? It's like okay, well, I don't really need to watch the eight o five one because yeah. I recap on six o, you know, so on and so forth. And, World class kind of went off, and then for a little while, I think they did have USWA. I might have been on ESPN in the late mm-hmm. 80s, something like that. But yeah, I tried to catch as much as I possibly could. I never actually attended an indie event ever in my life until I actually uh, went to train. Wow. And I only ever went to one wrestling event in my entire life leading up to that training, and that was because I won a radio con- local radio contest to go to the Civic Arena to watch the NWA. This is uh, right when Dusty Rhodes just got reinstated after being the Midnight Rider. <laughs> That's how long ago that was. Which which <laughs> I, I think maybe a more recent um, kind of analogy to that, I guess if people remember the Mr. America Hulk Hogan angle in WWF, yeah. like maybe 15 yep. years ago, like it was basically the Midnight Rider that Dusty did, right? Yeah, it's the same thing. And Dusty yeah. actually did Midnight Rider twice because he did it in Florida. And he took it from 1970s when they did it down in Mid-South and everything yeah, else. Yeah. I mean, it's all recycled. You know oh, absolutely. I mean? <laughs> absolutely. So <laughs> that's awesome. So so, so going from that, like, oh, so you have a mostly televised experience. Like, how did you, at what point were you like, I want to do this? Yeah, I want to get in the ring for this. Um, that's a good question. I probably... I, I really started hitting like lifting weights and stuff like that. Uh, probably my junior year in high school, sophomore year, somewhere in the sophomore being junior year. Mm-hmm. So I started getting a lot bigger, believe it or not. You know, I was, I wasn't very big like my sophomore year of high school. And for me, it was, you know, at that point after I graduated high school, I was like, okay, well, I'm either going to be a pro wrestler or I'm going to go and try my hand at pro, you know, pro football. So I actually had a tryout set up for what was back then the World Football League, Baltimore Stallions. I actually talked to the Steelers. Uh, I forget who the guy's name was that was like the director, you know, player personnel or whatever back then. And uh, he sent me down to there because he said, you know, we don't do the tryouts anymore because, you know, Chuck Nolan there used to you'd be able to do the occasional walk-ons or whatever. Bill Cowher had just taken over a year or two. 
you know, prior to, and this is how old I am, but <laughs> Bill Cowher had just recently taken over. So they said they don't really do that anymore, but they had the World Football League. They were going to send me down. I actually had a tryout set up for the Baltimore Stiles. Wow. And um, at the same time, I had finally, I'd heard Bubba, believe it or not, from B94 back in the day. Uh, Bubba the Bulldog, right? Yeah, yes. And he was talking about you know wrestling, and then he's talking about getting into wrestling. I'm like, well, I didn't even know that even existed around here. I mean, mm. that's how naive I was to everything. So I was like, ah, what the hell? I'll give, try to give him a call on the radio station. So I would do that occasionally, you know, maybe once a week or whatever for a couple months and nothing. So finally, my trial starting to come up, and I was like, ah, I'll try, you know, again. And this time, I get through. <laughs> and Bubba answers the phone. You know, it doesn't answer for me. He gets on the phone or whatever because I had said about, you know, I want to talk about wrestling to Bubba or whatever. So I guess a break come on. He gets on the phone or whatever. And he starts asking me questions. He's like, okay, well, you know, how tall are you? I said, six foot five. And he goes, all right. He goes, how much you weigh? I said, about 255. And he goes, are you bullshitting me? I said, no. <laughs> Why would I be bullshitting you? You know, <laughs> he goes, you know, and he's like, I don't know. He goes, are you sure? He goes, you, you're not bullshitting me with this, you know, 6'5", 255. He goes, how much do you bench? I said, well, I don't really max out anymore. You know, I just, do, according to his NFL scouting combine, how much I can bench press 225. At the time, I was doing maybe 24, 25 times. Yeah. I was actually in shape. But, um, <laughs> So that's he's you know he didn't believe me. It took him like you no. Know, he's like I'll call you back. And he calls me back and he's asking me the same questions. Are you you're not bullshitting me? I'm like no, you know I didn't realize that you know being a wrestler and working people or whatever. Mm-hmm. So finally he's like okay I'll mean, I'll get you in touch with our trainers. I said okay well who are they? He said Paul Atlas and Brian Anthony. Well, I'll be honest with you I didn't know who the hell you want them were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought because of like what I just said earlier about the wrestling magazines. I thought Brian Anthony was dirty white boy Tony Anthony from down south. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, how the hell did this guy come from down in Tennessee all the way up to here to train? <laughs> <laughs> you know, no clue what I was walking into or anything like that. But that's pretty much how I got into it because it's, it's just the fact that I loved wrestling. I loved football. And quite frankly, school, uh, let's just say I uh, found other things that were very good at getting me out of school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. You know, uh, so, you know, we'll stick with that. <laughs> so you go from that, you, you, and again, not knowing the underpinnings of how wrestling works, uh, even at the indie level. So, so you walk in, you got Paul Atlas and Brian Anthony, uh, um, which were were the wrong crowd collectively, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, um, and we can we have plenty of stories on that if you want to go listen to the Paul Atlas uh, episode. And I think he has more stories to tell me, so we have to get him back on again. Uh, but uh, so, so what was your first impression going from uh, you, know, uh, you know what you're reading, seeing an NWA, and then walking into that that training facility uh, that first day? Uh, actually, it was a Wednesday that they they used to meet uh, once a month on a Wednesday, and like mm-hmm. all the wrestlers would come and do the meeting for the Wednesday, and they go over the card or whatever, you know, the upcoming card and who's on it, and you do try out, you know, practice matches, and you know, it's a way to get everybody there to you know, and evaluate their progress and so on and so forth. So it was actually a Wednesday that I went there. So I walked in, and there was already a bunch of guys there. The first person I met, gentleman Joe Perry. You know, he come up, he shook my hand, and he made me feel really very welcome. You know, and I was like, okay, well, this dude's pretty cool. And he's talking to me, you know, and cracking some jokes and feeling a little bit comfortable and stuff, you know. And then uh, I met like Crusher Hanson, who then was Bone Crusher, and Mad Mike, who wasn't Mad Mike quite then. Uh, he might have been Jester. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> he might still have been doing the uh, King's Jester gimmick, but uh, at that point. 
but uh you know in yeah i met brian and i met paul and stuff like that and i'm like okay and there's a wrestling ring i you know so i'm i'm ready for this you know i didn't know what it entailed what the tryout was going to entail they just kind of wanted to see my, if i was going to show up i think yeah and then see you know my interaction am i going to be you know whatever as far as like an asshole you know because i don't know how many kids i've seen walk in and be assholes and cocky and, you know or my introverted or you know whatever so you know and then i got to meet a lot of different guys and most of them were pretty cool you know uh i don't really recall anybody being an asshole as opposed to maybe just you know saying oh there's, there's a new guy and just stay away from me which i don't blame them i'm not a big people person anymore either so <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know and i mean my first thoughts was okay I'm, I'm ready to do this and i felt like okay I, i'm i'm bigger than most of these guys mm-hmm. so okay yeah i might have a shot at this i don't know so i didn't do the football after that so uh, needless to say, I guess I must have liked it. <laughs> uh, did you, uh, you know, I, obviously, you know, different kinds of physicality, but uh, how, how did your, your training uh, for football kind of prepare you for this? Uh, it, it helped out a lot. Um, I was never a guy that was built like a Lex Luger or even like a Brian Anthony or, you yeah. know, like a Jimmy Vegas you know, locally or whatever you guys that were all ripped up. Uh, the closest I ever got to a six pack was maybe a two pack. <laughs> you know, the, the top two, <laughs> that was it, you know. But I mean, I was in shape, you know, and 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 cardio was a big thing. You know, I was like running a mile. You know, my forty yard was under five flat, so which was pretty good for a country boy that you know was basically just training himself back then. You know, uh, I was into the lifting, so I was doing a lot. I was able to leg press a thousand pounds at one point. I squatted over six hundred at one point. And I don't know why. That's probably what's wrong with my knees now. You know, so the. It was just a, basically I felt like I was in decent shape. I actually cut down to uh, from I was like two seventy. I cut down like probably between two fifty and two fifty five. So I was a lot leaner, you know. And guys like Bone, yeah, Crusher and them were like, "Oh, he he was skinny." Uh, well, no, actually I was a little, little more in shape than what you were, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So going from that, like how how long did it take you to get uh, in the ring for your first match? Okay, so that's an interesting scenario there. That was the um, – I walked in right as a group had left PWX. Uh, that group included Vince Kaplack, Sean Evans, The Beast, Run the Beast Williams, uh, and, and several others. Like, there was a big group that had exited. So the roster was kind of, you know, uh, obviously missing mm-hmm. a lot of personnel. And this, so, this is the late I, 90s? This was 96. Okay. Believe, yeah, probably mid-96. So I was kind of fast-tracked. Um, I had only trained for maybe three or four months before I actually did my first match. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you right now, I was not ready. <laughs> not at all. Because, I mean, you know, I did my first match. I did another match. And then I was out for a couple months. And then I did another one, like, in December, a couple in January. And honestly, it probably wasn't until March or April of 97 before I actually felt like I even should have been in a ring. You know, mm-hmm. at that point, it's finally started to click a little bit. Okay, this is what you got to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and at that point, I still wasn't any good, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> but at least at that point, I felt like, okay, I understand what I need to do and I can actually go out there and do something, you know, but uh, it helped that back then, we, uh, you know, Crusher and Mike and myself and, uh, you know, a lot of other guys, it was a common thing to go up there and train inside the ring for, you know, several hours on end, you know, four or five days a week. You know, and a lot of people will say, oh, okay, that's just them saying that. Now, that's actually the truth because we actually, you know, that's what we did, mm-hmm. you know, back then. It wasn't, you know, going up once a week or once a month and, 
you know, and then wrestling a couple of matches and then some shit dog promotions or whatever. <laughs> you know, it was, you went in there and you worked against each other. You, you know, the other people will come in there. You want to jump at the opportunity to work against them to work against different styles, different sizes, so on and so forth. And honestly, that's, I think was the biggest thing. It wasn't as much getting in the ring in front of a live crowd as it was behind the scenes kind of working out, you know, four or five days a week, mm-hmm. several hours on end. That's, that's what I need. That's what everybody needs to be good at anything, in my opinion, especially in sports or anything, really. You need to be able to have repetition mm-hmm. and practice. And if you're able to do that, that's how you get better. You know, you're able to evaluate yourself and say, okay, here's what I can do. Here's what I cannot do, you know, so and stuff like that. So, yeah, I remember, you know, myself, high school sports, and I think, I think probably when everybody's looking at wrestling training, they need to look at how, like, how many times did you train for basketball? How many times a week did you train for football? Like, you know, the the strength training and everything along with that, right? Like, if yeah. your if your professional wrestling training doesn't reflect that, like, you're not going to get better. No, absolutely. You know, and I'm a firm believer, and I t- tell my son and daughter this: they both, my son plays. He actually just joined the high school baseball team and mm-hmm. playing fall ball now, which is pretty cool. My daughter has been playing softball, you know, for several years on a very good team, and that's why I tell them how you practice is how you're going to play. Yeah. You know, so if you don't practice, guess what? You're not going to do. You're not going to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So, you know, and if you practice, if you practice half ass, you're going to play half ass. Right. You know, and that's just something that it was instilled in me by my parents, you know, and it was instilled in them by their parents. And it's just something that was just kind of passed down, I guess. So, you know, I, I teach my kids now. Yeah. So, uh, you say you've, you, you had, a, you had a pretty long story career here, but I, I know one point that keeps popping up and I think you're even sharing a, a PWI article a few weeks ago as well. Uh, there was a stint where uh, you were involved with the uh, the national the, those the, the same company, uh, more or less that you grew up watching the NWA. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that involvement? Uh, yeah, um, PWX actually joined the NWA, mm-hmm. came NWA East. Uh, in the correct if I'm wrong, I don't know. It's probably '98 somewhere around there. And uh, NWA was trying to uh, – the NWA pretty much died off in the early 90s. Right. And then they're trying to make some sort of comeback, you know, some sort of relevance, you know, so on and so forth. And uh, so at the time, I was actually clicking pretty good as a wrestler. You know, I was one of the guys that was, you know, doing pretty well uh, for myself, you know. And there's a lot of others that was doing the same. But, um, you know, it really got involved with the NWA at that point and uh, eventually, you know, became a North American champion and stuff. Uh, probably the highlight of that for me, it was a markout moment in which uh, actually there's two of them, um, you know, looking back at my whatever career you want to call it. But uh, uh, one of the highlight moments was I was ranked above both. I believe it was Kerry Von Eric and Barry Windham. Really? Two guys <laughs> I grew up watching, you know, wow. and I was like number four in the NWA in, in pro wrestling history, which again, we established as, you know, a Mark magazine, but uh, I was like number four, and Barry Windham was right below me at five, and I think it was like it was either, it might have been Kevin Von Eric at that point. I think Kerry was dead. Huh? <laughs> it might have been Kevin. It was one of the Von Erics that was like below that, at like eight or something like that. And then the other time was when the NWA championship was vacated, and I was North American champion. I was the number one guy. There was that, that you know they said you know champion you know vacated or whatever, and number one was me. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> That's he had like AJ Styles and shit. I got below me. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, you see where they're at and where I'm at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I was looking. I was looking at a little bit of the title, you know, just to see what the era was looking like. And it looks like you were involved in. I think it was the 35th anniversary uh, event for the NWA. 
Uh, let's see. I was actually involved in two different ones back then. It might have been something like that. There was one in Florida. There was one in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Those are the two that I actually uh, were able was able to do something in. Uh, there was a couple that I went before that that didn't, you know, just mm-hmm. went to be part of the convention. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, the match was dog shit. Uh, I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, it was horrible. Uh, the guy I wrestled was fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It got to the point he wanted to end the match. He's like, yeah, I, I do this handspring, you know, off the ropes or handspring thing. Kind of like what I, I think Sabu used to do that. Okay. And he wanted to do that. I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> this doesn't sound right to me. <laughs> and then, I, like an idiot, I, I went with it. And he went to do it. And he, like, crumbled into the ground. And then he comes back and, like, half hits me. And this is probably one of my biggest regrets in professional wrestling ever. I sold it. Oh. <laughs> Took the bump off of it. And at that point, I, as as I, before I even hit the ground taking a bump, I'm like, mother fucker. <laughs> Fuck this. So I literally got up and boom, I took his, I remember taking his head off and I yelled to the crowd, you want to see me send this motherfucker through the mat? I'm like, go home. He goes, no, no. I was like, fucking, we're going home. Fuck this. So the match was like four and a half minutes long. It was fucking terrible. <laughs> So unfortunately, uh, NWA just kind of still did reflect uh, indie uh, in those days. No, that, that was it. And on that same show was uh, AJ Styles and yeah. Christopher Daniels, who tore the house down. Oh yeah, you know. But the thing was, was, was these stupid. Can I even say this? But <laughs> these guys that were in charge of actually putting the, together the convention puts out twenty freaking matches, mm-hmm. like six hour time. You know. By the yeah. time you get to the main event, which was a tremendous main event, it, it, half the three quarters of the crowd is gone. The yeah. rest of them, their energy is completely gone. Yeah, it's like just showcase the best you got. Do a two, uh, and they actually wised up a few years later. I believe they did a two day event where they showcase any talent, and then they actually had you know talent that was kind of the upper echelon of talent. Yeah. come in yeah. and actually do the main show. I was say, and that's what they should have done. In that era, like AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels were probably like, you know, uh, what, probably Ring of Honor popular at the time, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah, I would say so. They, it was the NWA Wildside, which yeah. is kind of like the, what Ring of Honor, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? The Ring of level of Ring of Honor right around then. So, you know, they're two of the hottest names on the indie circuit, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so, so from this, you transitioned to creative. Can you tell me a little bit about how that, that went, came down? Yeah, um, I found it really hard to <laughs> wrestle a match and do the, you know, what I mean, do creative at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like getting into the creative, uh, let's just call it a shoot. I'm married into the family. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was given an extra opportunity that probably wasn't presented, wouldn't have been presented to someone else. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I got my foot in the door, mm-hmm. but I felt like, yeah, it, what, what was weird is a lot of, you know, even back then, a lot of guys were like, oh, you, you just married into the family. Well, that's correct. <laughs> but what it had, honestly, what it did was it, it made it three times harder for me to gain respect. It made it three times harder for me, for anybody that want to listen to it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they're like, well, fuck, you're Triple H. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, it, so honestly, I, I felt like I had to work hard. It made, it made me better at it. You know, it, it made me better as, as a wrestler, I think, as a person. And as it cre- you know, somebody's doing creative. Mm-hmm. You know, it was I, you know, I had to earn these guys' respect, you know, twice, twice, two times over, twice as much as I think anybody else. And the hardest one to do it with, the two hardest were Paul Atlas and T. Ranchula. <laughs> and But then again, you know, you're talking about uh, two guys that does, you know, I, those are the guys that I set out to earn my respect, you know, earn their respect. 
the, the most was because I knew they'd be the two hardest to earn. You know, one of the most gratifying to earn respect was probably Sean Patrick, but mm -hmm. she's just all around great dude. And the thing is, is, you know, you earn Sean Patrick's respect, then the, the guy will take the shirt off his bag for you, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was one of the most gratifying, but you know, the, the two I set out for were Tarantula and Paul Atlas earned respect. And once I got on that side, you know, with them to where the jokes were, you know, I was in on the joke, you know what I mean? Or the, 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 the hazing or whatever, you know, <laughs> then that was like, okay, well, now I know I've achieved it, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, if that even makes any goddamn sense. So, so you're given that opportunity, and, and I know, like, uh, you know, talking with you, it seems like you're, you're like you don't want to be on screen, you don't want to be presented, like we're like it's 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 a marvel we got you here today. Uh, so, was that kind of like was that kind of like a separation from that to not be that guy that's putting yourself like over on the card kind of thing, or just a uh, kind of just just changing your attitude towards towards the creative? Uh, it was probably a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Um. Being in on the creative side, I never really felt like, you know, I never really felt like that I should have showcased myself. But at the same time, I felt like that I still had, you know, enough ability to be able to be showcased. If, yeah. if that made, if yeah. makes sense, and it, it just got to the point. And for me, it was like, well, if I just remove myself from the scenario, then I'm not putting myself over as a champion, which I can proudly say I never put myself over as a heavyweight champion as a booker. Mm -hmm. And that's a rarity. So, <laughs> yep. You know, tag team champion, you know, here that, yes, that's fine. You know, whatever. But that's, <laughs> um, um, I, I, I'm currently uh, reading Jericho's first book and it's like, and I went to this promotion and I met this guy. And of course he was the champion, you know, like, have, and that, that's a, that was a common occurrence back then. Oh yeah. And I, I want to say it's almost a more, even more common occurrence nowadays. I mm -hmm. feel like, mm -hmm. you know, and I just, and that was the thing is like, yeah, it's, to me, it, it never felt right. Yeah. It's like, okay, you, you're in charge of saying who is winning who is losing who's going to be the champion you know what i mean why would you i don't know some and i understand the argument of i can trust myself the most yeah i'm the most consistent you know what i mean i know i'm not going to screw myself over yeah which again i'll argue that point because i know i've known myself to screw myself over several times so <laughs> but you know to at that point it just got hard to really uh wrestle match you know, and do the creative and be able to, you know, maintain and watch everything that was going on and be able to react accordingly, you know, because there's a lot of shit that happens that you need to react right there and then, mm -hmm. you know, make a snap decision. And if I'm going over a match in the back and I'm for myself and I'm not able to make that decision, well, that affects the show. Mm -hmm. That affects other wrestlers that, you know, it affects fans, it affects a lot more people than, you know, just myself. So it just became easier. Um, to just kind of phase myself up, you know, and if needed, I would, you know, I kind of made myself kind of like a territory kind of guy, an old territory kind of guy where I'll disappear for long periods of time. And all of a sudden when I show up, well, guess what? Okay. Well, that's kind of cool. Stick around for a couple of shows and disappear again, you yeah. know? And that was, it, it worked, <laughs> <You know? laughs> but th th that was the thing was the, yeah, I, you know, and I'm big time firm believer. Now I don't want as far as this fight underground, I'm sure we'll get to that, but as far as fight underground now, I have no desire whatsoever to be any part of anything. I reluctantly am doing this with you, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, it's not about, it's not about me. It, it, it's about other, you know, showcasing the young talent that's coming up through. It's about having the guys that uh, helped pave the way years ago to actually go, you know, go on and uh, entertain still, you know, be able still be able to entertain and, and give their thoughts, legitimate thoughts, legitimate uh, opinions, legitimate debates. 
And that's kind of what we're, what we're hitting for, you know, and I may throw them a curveball here or there and not tell them something when we're live and see what their real reaction is going to be, you know, and you're smiling because, you know, it's, you, know that, <laughs> you know, but the thing is, you know, that that's, I don't know. It just, it, it makes for a better, more realistic mm-hmm. uh, creation, you know, and I've always been big on that growing up with the NWA, NWA was a lot more, uh, reality based in what the WWF product was back then. And I was a big, much, much bigger NWA fan because my grandfather's what, you know, got me watching wrestling and that's what he watched. So, so let's talk about this. So you were, of course, booking at PWX and it, it is, uh, you know, since I've obviously separated from the NWA for a while. And then I, I mean, I know, you know, I, I've always tried to keep an eye on, especially the last, over the last several years of what's going on in the area. And all of a sudden this like fight society idea keeps popping up, uh, uh, you know, uh, what at the beginning of 2018, I believe. Um, and I think I went to the second show ever and it was a different presentation. Uh, what was that? What was that? Why, you know, what was the transition there? What was the idea between the transition there? Um, it was trying to try to create something different. Mm-hmm. Um, to try to create again something that's a little more uh, realistic based. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of Fight Society, it, it was there's parts of it that was rolling around in my head for a couple of years. Uh, I just I felt like the where PWX was at that point, I didn't feel like we can compete with some of the other bigger word, the IWCs and the RWAs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were, I mean, they, I mean, it's again, let's just go ahead and shoot with it. You know, they were kicking the shit out of us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on a consistent basis, not just, you know, Hey, uh, they outdrew us or, you know, whatever they had, you know, more views on something or whatever, you know, this time, but we got them a couple of times later, you know, it was a consistent trouncing for years and it just got to the point. And it was like, okay, well, by continuing to do the same thing over and over, it, it's just this definition of crazy to me. Mm-hmm. You're expecting a different result by doing the same thing over and over. It just isn't going to work. So let's try something that's out there. Let's try something. You know, we got nothing to lose. You know, when you're, when you're at the bottom and you're looking up, there's nowhere to go but up, you know, unless you just want to continue to tread water down at the bottom with the rest of the scum, you know, and I don't want to do that. So I was like, oh, let's try this idea, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the part of town that we we're in it might not have been the greatest, but I mean, that, that can be said anywhere, really. I mean, if you think about it, but, you know, so I was trying to go with more of a, you know, I hate to say it because the WWE just did, but like an underground kind of fight club scenario without being a fight club, though, if that makes sense. You know, I want to incorporate a, more sports into it while still kind of giving this mystique of, you know, maybe these guys ain't supposed to be doing, you know, they're, they're just ain't legal kind of thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um, it, it was a trial and error. There were some things that we, we tried, you know, that, that just didn't work. Uh, there's some things that took away from, you know, workers' abilities to be able to tell a good story within a match mm-hmm. or even to keep a match sports oriented, you know. And you know, that, that was a trial and error. And I, I'm, that's what I'm hoping with the Fight Underground thing. We're kind of corrected some of the mistakes. And hopefully, it's trying to present in a whole different way than what anybody else has really been seeing. And I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I, all I'm doing is basically taking uh, NFL pregame and NFL postgame uh, on <laughs> on each bookend and putting you know the match in the middle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Well- so. <laughs> just to illustrate like some of the things that you were doing different like the things that i noticed and you know coming into that 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 first show i attended 
uh, under the new moniker. Like, it, of course, there was a more hardcore vibe. You know, there were, the weapons were like right there on stage, or actually in the entrance, I think, originally um, <laughs> when the fans came in. Which I'm like, I don't know if this is safe. Which I guess was part of the, you know, yeah, maybe this isn't right kind of thing you were trying to vibe you're getting across. But there were. Right- let me let me stop you there real quick because I will forget my train of thought. Uh-huh. There was supposed to be two what's supposed to be security guards, like bouncers, that were supposed to be seated right there to make sure nobody touches anything. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, teach- I was teaching at the time, and neither of the students that were supposed to be sitting down there watching decided to pop their asses down there where they're supposed to be. So... <laughs> Screw them. <laughs> <laughs> so you got that. You had these like kind of pre pre event fights break out in the crowd amongst the wrestlers that were like on Facebook Live. You know, it, you had this ranking system. There was a. Uh, uh, people that were members of the fight society and not members and trying to get in and getting ousted when they lost and there's a ranking system like there was a lot happening during those shows yeah and, and it I, was too much at once it was and I, and I think <laughs> i think i gave a little bit of like my comments and impressions of that afterwards but it was just like but it was like wow this is like it's a lot happening but it's like this does stick out yeah and i mean that i think that was the biggest mistake instead mm-hmm. of easing you know, one thing in at a time. You know, I, I, that's one of my uh, probably biggest drawbacks is I'm a very impatient person. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so like even to this day, Christmas is like, ah, come on. Yeah, I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, so yeah, I what we did was we threw a lot of we did it when we did a change. Uh, change we did a complete change rather than just kind of you know emphasizing one thing over the course of several shows and then easing into the next thing and easing into the next thing. Yeah. I should have told a better story from the overall organizational standpoint as opposed to just throwing 30 things out there at once and saying, okay, catch up. Well, that was stupid. <laughs> so... <laughs> So we go through this process, um, and of course, I started joining you and, and worked with you for uh, well over a year with uh, with Fight Society, and it was a it was a heck of an experience. Uh, but uh, obviously, circumstances changed, and after two years of Fight Society, that ended, and then this Fight Underground uh, concept started coming together. Um, you, you mentioned a little bit before, but uh, tell us a little bit about that inception, that transition. I mean, it really is. I mean, obviously, it's kind of a, a two point of this concept learning from that those first two years of that right yeah absolutely um this was a, i mean it it just came to be time to be done with where i was i, mm-hmm. I felt like you know i 23 years in the same place you know and i felt like that you know it just it, just, it was just time to be done mm-hmm. you know and quite honestly i gave serious thought to just being done completely and uh actually was going to be done completely all the way up until probably the end of January this year. So it was probably two full months. And then I kind of, you know, was like, eh, I, I don't want to go out like that, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, then, then, then the studying started for, for me, it was like, go back to the basics, you know, go back to literally studying tape, uh, listening to podcasts. And I understand that that isn't, you know, the main thing of how to book or anything like that. Cause somebody comes up to me and says, well, I watch this many hours of wrestling. I can book. No, you can't, <laughs> you know, but, you can go back and you can learn if you know what you're looking for, you know, and I knew the concept that we, what we had, I felt like the concept was there. I felt like there were some good things that was involved with it. Uh, there was other things that needed to be changed. Uh, so that, you know, kind of be able to tell better, uh, yeah, use the term stories, but you know what I mean? Be able to tell better stories with it, make things make a little more sense, make things a little more reality based, you know, and I don't think that we necessarily needed 
hardcore with that. You yeah, know, the, yeah. so, so get rid of weapons. Make the weapons. We're in a point now where the weapons. You need to make the weapons actually uh, mean something. So, mm-hmm. so you know, if if you're in a bar fight and somebody takes a steel chair and clobbers you over the skull, chances are you're going to go down and stay down. You know, so that's the concept. They're reality based, mm-hmm. <laughs> as mm-hmm. opposed to 17 chair shots and you keep getting back up. My God, what are you going to need a shotgun? You know, but uh, yeah, but for me, it was kind of just going back and relearning the art of professional wrestling. Uh, and I spent probably, probably a good four or five months just doing that, uh, just studying anything from all the way back to the 1940s, all the way up to, you know, even today. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, with a specific focus on knowing what, you know, I was looking for, what I wanted to do, and not only just in wrestling, but uh, even like, this sounds, sounds stupid as hell, but like movies. Yeah. Uh, you can actually get a wrestling story out of a movie. You get the wrestling story of a freaking TV program, if, mm-hmm. if you think about it. You know what I mean? So just kind of studying just different movies and mannerisms and how, you know, the, the story is told in a movie, you know, in, in classic movies, new movies, blockbusters, whatever, you know, just in, in, not watch them to be entertained as opposed to watch them to how they're presented, you know, and then also uh, sports, uh, the NFL. I just told you a little bit, NFL is probably the best at it. You know, basketball does it, hockey does it, even baseball does it. But uh, you want know, to have the, you know, the, the, the pregame kind of thing, they, you know, pregame show stuff. Then they actually have the presentation of the actual, you know, uh, sporting event. And then afterwards, they recap what's going on. So it kind of clicked to me. I was like, man, that's kind of what I wanted to do. That's what I kind of wanted to do a couple of years ago. But it's like now with you on board, <laughs> we have the capability of actually doing it and doing it well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So quite honestly, you being on board is what really reinvigorated me to be honest with you because now i knew that i had you know i can put a vision out there i had a good group of guys you know core group of guys that is involved with this that you know i wouldn't trade in for the world Mm -hmm. and uh you know so i knew i had the the core group and then with you on board and missy on board and stuff now all of a sudden we're attacking every facet of what we need to attack to make this work and uh, you know while we're still we haven't actually had a live match yet. <laughs> you know, we haven't sold a ticket yet. The thing is, is I and I feel like that we all should be patting ourselves on the back that over the course, when, when we do this, when was the first one? The end of June? Did we show the first one? Yeah. Like the actual we, match? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, from there until today, we're just under 100,000 views of just our matches. Now, think about that for a second. That's only 10 total matches. That's mm-hmm. one card, basically. One mm-hmm. wrestling card. Yeah. So, any wrestling organization that can put on one card and get a hundred thousand views on it, I would say is a success. Yeah. Yeah. So I can quit now. I'm done. I'm <laughs> if, we, if we don't have area two. It, 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 so, so, and, and this has been in, in, you know, you know, a little bit of the concept there, but you know, I, I guess uh, we can say like there, there was going to be a live show. Obviously there was going to be a lot of live shows for a lot of people. Yes. Uh, right. we can say, and, and, uh, I, I don't know if you want to kind of speak to that and kind of the transition. Cause I know what we did with fight underground, like a version of it was going to happen before the first live show. So this was not, uh, a full change for COVID, but it was kind of a lucky plan that was already in place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, Ever there was a wrestling organization that benefited from COVID. It was, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're right. I mean, it, it, it's horrible to say. Yeah. But I mean, that actually, you're absolutely right. Because I mean, you're you're involved with the you know the whole conversations going back and forth. 
the idea of what's being presented out there now was always in the plans dating what all the way back to January. Yeah. It was somewhere around there, right? Whenever it was like, okay, well, here's kind of the basic idea that yeah. I have. And yeah. then that's whenever I really kind of got into the study of, you know, everything, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, it was there, you know, and it was kind of more of a way to present like, uh, present something that's like an almost like an infomercial to get, get people into the doors yeah. of a live event but yeah we had a live event scheduled for beginning of may wasn't that is that, is that uh, was it right, was right? uh late may and then we found okay. out somebody else announced before we did and we were going to kick it to june and then everything fell apart in march yeah. so they it kind of like before we could solidify anything even for that uh from from what i remember of the planning and then yeah we were i think the idea was we were going to have like this whole envelope invitation like you know idea was going to be you know uh uh how you got on you as a wrestler got onto the first actual show like and yes. we've been like yep. kind of you know these these you know filmed in a secret location kind of ideas and that was going to permeate throughout like i think we were going we we're going to do like like these matches with string in between all the live shows. We, you know, didn't have to do a monthly like kind of idea, you know, and mm-hmm. then that was a very kind of online focused, um, uh, concept. Yeah. And I honestly, I think it's not, I still think it's not tap, uh, thing as far as online, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, when you advertise for a live event, should you only advertise on Facebook? Hell no. Mm-hmm. You should be advertising a hell of a lot more than that. But at the same time, a lot of people don't take advantage of the, of the opportunity that's sitting there mm-hmm. as far as like, whether it be Facebook or, or Twitter or you know, whatever, YouTube, whatever, uh, to be able to present, you can go out there and do anything you want. You can present anything you want, you know, and honestly, it's kind of what we did. We didn't even do, uh, put on a lot, a match until the end of June. We did the fight council meeting. We we're just sitting there talking, mm-hmm. you know, but we're, it, it was kind of a hype. And, you know, and the thing was, is, and I, I can tell you right now, I've been tracking the numbers, you know, and I'm not going to inflate them and say that we got 13 million people watching <laughs> on, <laughs> on Roku or something like that. But, uh, you know, but we are getting, we were getting consistent, like 700 to a thousand views, mm-hmm. um, just on the fight council stuff. Yeah. Like every Wednesday, Wednesday night. And I mean, and the fact that it, a weekly thing and our views are still staying consistently within that range for the most part, there's one time that I've. I got lazy. It was in the middle of whenever I was moving. So, uh, I forgot to completely have, you know, put it out there and stuff. And I think we only had like 500, but that's my fault. But I mean, still even 500 isn't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, for just a, a putting, throwing it out in the world, like that's not bad. Yeah. You know, and then the Brandon's uh, thing with the inside out, you know, showcasing more of the wrestler as you know, wrestlers aspect of it. They're, they're consistently 800 to a thousand. Mm-hmm. So you know, and uh, we're going that what every two weeks with that? Is that right? Every two weeks, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> we got to work on our schedule with SummerSlam being this weekend. But uh, yeah, that's that's happening. Um, so <laughs> yeah, we got to go around that. Uh, yeah, said about doing around that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. We're talking. Um, don't don't worry about. It. We'll be taken care of by the time people see this. I'm sure there'll be something scheduled. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> So, um, tell me more about the fight council or tell the people more about the fight council, because I know <laughs> there's always announcements. I mean, this is a thing we've started like the, the going underground idea. Uh, and actually let's talk about that going into the, the formation of the fight council and, and, and the panels that you've been doing. Uh, cause there was, and again, this was a, a brainstorm thing of, 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 Hey, let's do a, people are going underground. What is this? Getting some faces out there and creating a little bit of buzz. And then that then all started turning into the so-and-so is part of the fight council, the honorable fight council. Uh, talk about that inception and then, and then what the fight council is, what it is, and why is it so 
GD many people on that thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that's the common question. Um, so the gun, the gun underground thing, I actually approached you that one night whenever I come up to your studio. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you, like, you, hey, you, I got this idea. You came up for a meeting. In the, started, you came yeah. up for a meeting and started playing yeah. video games for the next two hours. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I came in. I was like, man, I got this idea. I don't know if it's going to look any good or whatever. And then yeah, you know, I told you it, and you, you, you know, took about twenty minutes or whatever to kind of you know, wrap your brain around it. And you're like, okay, let's let's go try this out. And then you did it, and you showed it to me. I said, like, yes, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was kind of an idea of uh, up close and personal. Hey, this person just went underground. Well, what the hell is underground? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the question. Mm-hmm. That's what we want. I wanted people asking the question, what is underground? Because now, you know, when the next one comes out, what, what is this? You know, and it actually worked because next thing you know, I, I, I personally had people, I know other people, you know, others that had said they had people say, well, what's this underground thing? You know, how can I get in? How can I join? Well, that's just it. We don't want you to join. You got to be asked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, because human nature is what, you know, the second that it's given to you. Okay. Well, I got it now, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But if you're continuing to want it and want to chase it, you know, and being told, and being told no, oh man, you can't do that. <laughs> uh, there <laughs> so was, that's exactly what we did. <laughs> there was a moment where I was uh, filming uh, a couple of the underground videos at another wrestling show, and somebody like kind of came around the corner and was just like, "Are you doing what I think you're doing?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and had to have a conversation like what is this what's happening what's going on like you know i i, I got cornered on it you know from somebody who's who's actually I, I, well actually it was the rev that's now part of the underground so no, you know he's a prominently we featured he, party yeah underground. yeah he was not <laughs> we, he actually never even got an underground video so <laughs> <laughs> no he didn't did he no he didn't that's no crazy. he didn't he just uh <laughs> showed up with an invite the one time or uh uh shortly before we started going with some stuff so uh sorry ref we'll get you one yeah there you go there you go um uh, as far as the fight council um that was kind of a scenario to where uh kind of just again the whole press sitting you know if the president's talking they have what the press sitting there you know kind of questioning them kind of thing um you kind of the same thing with the you know the uh What's it called? The, the, the sports stuff, the NFL stuff. You well, know, yeah, you, you, your your panel on your pre-show is a lot of times Bill Callier, uh, we mentioned earlier in the show, is a part of that panel talking about the game, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's why I kind of was thinking, it's like, man, you can do that and just kind of get a couple people yeah, yeah. <laughs> involved, you know. And what after I got like a positive response from the first few, like the, you know Brandon and uh, Chris Taylor, mm-hmm. you know, and so on and so forth, Boomer Payne, Dylan Dean. Um, from there, it was kind of like, okay, you know what? This is kind of a who's who of what was in Pittsburgh wrestling, mm-hmm. you know, and, and kind of helped pave the way. So then I started thinking, you know, in, in, at least in my head was like, okay, well, you know what? This could be a way to kind of recognize the people that paved the way. And that's why you have so many people on here because there are so many people that paved the way in years past, you know, and, and they contributed in a positive manner to professional wrestling in this tri-state area, uh, you know, in one, in one shape, way, shape, or form, you know, whether it be behind the scenes in the ring, uh, connecting with fans, you know, maybe the work they did with you know, even a specific fan or whatever. Mm-hmm. But every, every single one of them that is on this council is someone that deserves to basically be in what, for lack of a better term, is a local hall of fame. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and these are guys that, you know, definitely – should be recognized for the efforts that they have given over the years. You know, they've given to the sport of professional wrestling. And yes, I'm calling it a goddamn sport, but, uh, 
they've given to the sport of professional wrestling. And I feel like, you know, I'm finally in a position that I personally can give back a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, and as well as like, you know, Paul Atlas, I talked to Paul about, it, I talked to you guys about it. And everybody felt like it was, you know, a cool thing to do, a good thing to do. So it was kind of a way to kind of give back. And also it does not hurt to have this much experience, you know, to help kind of guide the younger wrestlers, uh, kind of oversee some of them, can fine tune some of them, you know, in some cases. And it definitely doesn't hurt to have people that have the gift of gab, like a Dylan Dean or yeah. Justin Idol, you know, to go on there and talk a mile a minute, because quite frankly, that's not what I am good at. So <laughs> let them go out there and talk their little bullshit because they're good at that. <laughs> but I mean, that, that was the thing. And like, you know, so the question is, why is there so many? Yeah. Well, I mean, why do we have to limit it? To be honest with you, mm -hmm. um, you know, each one has a say. Each one has a say. I mean, you've seen the message saying, who do you think is number one? Who should be ranked number one? And mm -hmm. they voted it. Each person uh, this is has the opportunity to vote. Yeah, this, this is a legitimate vote. This is legit. <laughs> and, and, and there is, I, I, you know, and, and everybody, they're not just showing up on, on Thursday nights for the council or, or the tapings or anything. Like, these guys are involved. These guys are in a group chat conversing about things and how people are doing and how people are presented and, and who to watch out for. And also creating opportunities like i know you know and uh, we still have to get the commentary going but uh, uh aj and loss prevention went down to north carolina for a show uh, thanks to boomer pain you know so right. there is so this is like a bigger you know it, it it's like a hall of fame but we do more than just get a ring and 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 remember the good old days you guys are actually active it seems with the project right rather than seeing a picture on a wall yeah and saying hey remember those days yeah it's more of a, hey, these guys are still around and can still contribute. Mm -hmm. And, you mm -hmm. know, why not get them to contribute? Yeah. And every single one of them, all four, fucking 40 of them is going to be on there. <laughs> I think they're in the 30s <laughs> now. But every single one of them has contributed within that group in some way, shape, or form. Every single one of them has contributed to Fight Underground. Every single one of them has contributed to the sport of professional wrestling mm -hmm. past uh, and present and hopefully continued into the future. Awesome. So, so we have all this going on. Uh, uh, that first batch of matches is out there. Like I say, we got another one hanging out that'll be debuted in the next, uh, uh, hopefully, few days here as we get everything together uh, uh, with it. Uh, uh, where do you see, especially with COVID uh, concerns, like kind of the the uh, best case scenario? Like, where do you see this kind of going, building? Uh, what, what kind of pro perspectives for the future of Fight Underground currently? Get another taping, first and foremost. <laughs> first step, uh, first step. <laughs> yeah, yeah, first step. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, you, you've seen it. A few others have seen it. There's uh -huh. 19, what, weeks worth of stuff that has yes. already been, uh, 19 weeks worth of fights yes. that has already been scheduled. Yes. Now, the thing is, is to be able to get everybody in one place at the one time and mm. able to do it within the restrictions that COVID sets before us. Yeah. Um, so that's coming. You know, but it, uh, so to get that next set, um, to crown a champion is going to be the eventual set. You know what I mean? That, that's I think it, we're talking about these rankings and everything. And I know some guys, some haven't even debuted yet, while some have only done one fight and so on and so forth. But, you know, once we get the, the, this next set of uh, fights out, out of the way and done and stuff like that, I think we're going to kind of start seeing 
who the cream of the crop is. Mm -hmm. And at that point, let's see, okay, you know, this guy's undefeated. This guy's undefeated. Maybe, you know, maybe, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you know, whoever is at the top, let's see what they do against the other top competition. Mm -hmm. You know, you got some guys that's going in there against some young talent and they're good and they're doing what they're supposed to do. A bro. is doing what he's supposed to do. And that's destroy somebody that is much smaller and much much less experienced than him in under 60 seconds. And he's doing what he's supposed to do. You know what I mean? He did it in the, in 30 seconds. So he's kicking the shit out of people, just like he said he was going to. Mm -hmm. So do we, you know, and I, and I have seen, you know, and I watch every single one of the fight council meetings, stuff like that, and they did the debate with it, and I see both sides of the story. But at the same time, uh, Brohemoth did exactly what he was supposed to do. Now, if somebody went in there and took Brohemoth five, six minutes when they weren't supposed to, then you start saying, okay, well, I'm not sure Brohemoth's up to the task. Mm -hmm. But Brohemoth went in there, and he kicked the shit out of somebody. And then when Brandon come in there, in, into the ring and said, bro, you got another one? And he said, hell yes. Stepped in the ring, no preparation, and kicked the shit out of that guy, too. You know, so he did what he was supposed to do. It's, you know, but at the same time, the Rev has, and I know I'm going way off on a tangent here with you, but <laughs> off subject, but the Rev faced AJ Alexander, mm -hmm. who previously, for an entire 18 months, a year to 18 months, was dominant at another place that he was at. Mm -hmm. So for the Rev to go against AJ, that's two top contenders going against each other. So, and I, uh, JB Destiny actually put it, uh, put, made, made a good point at one point when he said, if you put the Rev against AJ Alexander in 10 fights, Rev's going to win five, AJ's going to win five. It just happened that Rev won the first one, mm -hmm. you know, and, mm -hmm. and he's right. And that just goes to show the level of competition that they're going against each other. You know, but at the same time, if like a bro Hamath or loss prevention goes in there and it takes them longer than what they should against somebody, well, then that's, that's, that's a problem. They need to start looking at what, what the issue is. But if they go in there and they destroy who they're supposed to destroy and look like a monster and act like a monster and come across as a monster, well, then they're a monster right now. And until proven otherwise, they're a goddamn monster. <laughs> so that's my tangent on that. That's my opinion on that. But, um, it's, you know, so to get the cream of the crop, we need to see who's going to separate themselves from everybody else. Mm -hmm. Is there, is there somebody that can go three and oh, is there somebody that can go four and oh, or two and oh, or do you have two and oh against two really good competitors? You know, at that point, that's where I want to see somebody's four and oh against somebody's three and oh competing for the first ever championship in fight underground, you know, and obviously the intention is to eventually get to live events, but when is that going to be, you know, you know, some other, some places like IWC, they got creative. They got very creative. They're like, mm -hmm. okay, we'll go to a damn drive-in. We can have 250 people uh, outside. Yeah. And you know what? It works. You know, and there's other places. There's outside the, you know, the state. Down in Texas, I think Booker T did the same thing. At, you know, at oh, yeah. Drive I saw that. Uh -huh. You know, so what's happening is COVID, in a way, is making people become creative again within professional wrestling, mm -hmm. which is a good thing. You know, and by becoming creative, you're creating competition. With competition, you stay on your toes. Yep. And what benefits is good wrestling content. It also kind of leveled the playing field, too, for like those that had like a lot going for them. You know, if unless, you know, if what if web presence wasn't strong, it kind of knocked them down a peg. Right. Yeah, oh, as well. Yes. So and that's like where I think where Fight Underground could, was able to come out swinging with things. So and uh, and you never know. And even like I was sitting here, I was supposed to go to West Virginia, and, and you know, again, outdoor situation, it got canceled for circumstances beyond anybody's control. You know, so it's still a big question mark. Even just saying, "Hey, let's do outside shows," 
you know so i mean that this this is a big question mark we literally do not know what this will look like a year from now we no. don't we honestly don't no we don't yeah so so but but if something you can control like a production like this seems to be a, a sound thing for a new promotion i guess <laughs> well i mean for us it works out because we can use a little bit of downtime to maybe discuss and preview what's coming up yep you know okay. and we try to keep it simple area one's complete why is it area one well it's better than saying season one <laughs> um area ones because we're in a specific area and what we do is we go from place to place mm-hmm. and you know it's, it's kind of like the the old cornies in a way dating back to how professional wrestling started in the old cornies you know travel from town to town or place to place and just set up and you know go and that's that's what we're doing area one that was our underground that's our specific spot and there ain't nobody knows where the hell we even were except for the people that were there. Yeah. Same yeah. thing with what area two is going to be, yep. you know, nobody knows where the hell. And the only way you're getting there is through that damn invitation, I, which again is legitimate. I literally it's, don't know where it is. Like we will see. It's still I mean, we were, such a secret. We were like, you know where to go. Yeah. We were like half a week from the, the almost scheduled, uh, uh, area two. And I still didn't have an address. So this is like, this is legit. I'm not bullshitting anybody. Like I literally didn't have it yet. That doesn't reflect well on me. <laughs> I'm like, can I get a Google map on this thing to see what we're working yeah. with? I don't know. <laughs> the only thing you knew was off 14 acres of land. You're like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like, all right, I guess we can do something with that, right? Um, but uh, I hope it don't rain. <laughs> hey, that's, yeah, that's, that's all the res- big thing. That's all, that, re- that's all wrestling right now. You know, At least you didn't have to refund anybody. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's, that's the benefit of not having to sell a ticket right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But anyways, uh, check out everything, fightundergroundfuthrowdown.com. Uh, thro- I'm giving all your plugs for you, but I guess I, I know. Good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, of course, the Fight Council is every Thursday on uh, all the social medias that will carry video for FU Throwdown. Uh, the Fight Council is there every two weeks with Inside Out. And, of course, all the matches are there. And if you're a part of the network, you can watch the entirety of Area 1 in one nice two-and-a-half-hour package. You don't have to go search on the on, on the social media to find those and stuff. So, um, uh, and, and, of course, we'll, we'll have it on VODs shortly as well uh, for anybody that wants to actually kind of own that or DVD it or whatever the case may be. But, uh, but yeah, so it's in the can and uh, and a lot, uh, Quinn. Thank you so much for joining us. I know I'll, I'll never get you for another three years on this show. <laughs> so uh, I hope we made the most of it here. No, I appreciate you having me on. Honestly, it, it was fun talking to you. And let me just say again, thank you very much for being a part of you know, what we're doing as far as fight underground. Without you, there is no fight underground. So please don't go nowhere. <laughs> I, was like, I can't go anywhere we're on lockdown uh <laughs> that's true good point <laughs> uh thank you so much again check out everything uh over at indywrestling.us this another great great promotion still uh still still creating content or surfacing some stuff from the past as we have been in the last uh couple of weeks over there on uh us and dot network so until next time please support in whatever form it may be coming out these days support indie wrestling and the wrestlers behind it this show is a member of the sorgatron media podcast network find out more at sorgatronmedia.com